going to invite um, my assistant, Pastor Caleb, to join me on stage. Uh, hey. In, in, all, in All Nations Church, we uh, get the children to read the Bible passage before they go out to their group, so you're going to have a taste of that today. You're going to ask Caleb to read for us. Um, in fact, one of my highlights, personal highlights of church planting has been um, seeing Caleb get involved and engage uh, with, with, with church even more than he used to. One of my big concerns before we planted was the impact on, on Caleb. You know, going from a church with amazing kids' work to a church where he was one of the only children, I wondered how that would impact him. But he's really thrived, really growing in his faith, so praise God for that. Um, if you're a parent thinking about getting involved in church planting and similarly concerned about the impact on the kids, I'd encourage you that it's a really good thing for kids, actually, getting involved in church planting. So if you've got your Bibles with that with you, we're going to be reading from Revelation chapter 3. Uh, and it's, uh, so um, we've been looking at, uh, over the last few weeks, um, seven letters from Jesus to seven different churches. Yeah, um, and today is the sixth out of seven, so it's a penultimate one. And uh, so we're going to look, be looking at Revelation 3, 7 to 13. It should be on the screen, hopefully. But um, you want to follow along? So, over to Caleb. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed you before an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews that are not but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and not acknowledge that, they, that I have loved you. Since they have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come down the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of the heavens from my God. And I also write them on my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, okay, a round of applause. Fantastic. Good job. Okay, I'm going to draw out three E's from the passage. Encouragement, entrances, and eternal reward. So number one is encouragement. Hopefully there should be a slide. Great, it's on the screen. Fantastic. So encouragement. Uh, has anyone ever seen Britain's Got Talent? Anyone like Britain's Got Talent? Any fans in the room? No, just me, okay? No, there's a few, a few hands. Uh, I love Britain's Got Talent and anything like that, you know, X Factor, The Voice, wherever other brands are available. Um, I love uh, Britain's Got Talent. What I love is seeing ordinary people like you and me, you know, Dave, the truck driver from Rotherham or whatever. Sorry if you're called Dave and you're from Rotherham and you drive a truck. But uh, just ordinary people who have amazing undiscovered talent and the, the judges um, spot something special in them and they heap loads of encouragement, give them standing ovations. It's just amazing, isn't it? I love that. In a similar way, the city of Philadelphia was a pretty ordinary place, really. 
What do we know about Philadelphia? It was a small city in Asia Minor, which I believe was in, is in modern-day Turkey. It was not a particularly well-off place, not very influential or, or noteworthy, really. The people there were just working hard just to get by. They had frequent earthquakes in Philadelphia, and actually the city was completely destroyed by a massive earthquake in AD 17. Um, the city was known as Little Athens, because like Athens, there were many different gods, different idols uh, that people worshipped there. So it was known as Little Athens. And the church in Philadelphia was not a very big church, not very famous or influential, uh, pretty ordinary really. But Jesus spotted something special. A bit like the judges spotting something special in the ordinary people, and Britain's got talent, that's the link. Um, Jesus spotted something special that he wanted to encourage in Philadelphia, the Philadelphian church. So they, might, they may not have been very faithful. So, sorry, they may not be very famous, but they're very faithful. So I messed it up, didn't I? In a city of many idols, many different gods, they were faithful to the one true God. While the world looks for fame, Jesus looks for faithfulness. The world evaluates our performance, but Jesus is more impressed by our perseverance. We strive for success and status, whilst Jesus celebrates steadfastness. We want results, Jesus reminds us to remain in him. Philadelphia wasn't a big, impressive, famous, uh, influential church, but they were very faithful. And listen to what Jesus said to them in verse 10. Verse 8, sorry, he says, I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And then verse 10 says, you have kept my command to endure patiently. What Jesus is saying to the church in Philadelphia, and I believe he wants to say to us today is, well done, great job. Keep going, I'm proud of you, I'm cheering you on. All Nations Church, Jesus is talking to you guys. Hear his encouragement today. Well done. I know you're just a small baby church with little strength. Yet you've not denied my name. You've kept my word. You've served me wholeheartedly. You've given generously. You've stepped out courageously. You've preached the gospel. You've welcomed people. You've loved people. You've kept my command to endure patiently in spite of leaky roofs, badly behaved youth and out-of-date foods. You've kept on showing back up week in, week out. You've kept on loving, serving, welcoming people. And Jesus absolutely loves it. So well done. STC Sheffield. Jesus is talking to you guys too. He knows it's not been necessarily the easiest year for you as a church for various different reasons. You may not be feeling at your strongest ever, but you've been faithful. You've kept his word. You've not denied his name. You've kept on loving people, welcoming people, holding out the gospel. You've given generously. You've served faithfully. You've stepped out into your vision to become a resource church and you've planted two, two churches this year. Amazing. Jesus loves it. Well done. Do you hear these encouraging words from Jesus today, guys? Let them sink in. Because he is full of praise and encouragement for faithful people like you. Verse 8 says, I know your deeds. 
This kind of has two sides to it, doesn't it? Because when I first read that, I think, uh-oh, Jesus knows my deeds, I kind of shudder slightly. Because I think of all my bad deeds, right? All the things that, you know, the, the, things, the hidden things that he sees that no one else sees in a bad way. When I read these are words of, of him who's holy and true, I become very aware that I'm anything but holy and true. But, yeah, so... Jesus does know our bad deeds, doesn't he? He sees through us. He sees everything. He sees all the thoughts, all the all the, the things we say, we shouldn't say, and the things we do. In fact, he doesn't, doesn't only know our deeds, he felt them. As the nails pierced his hands and feet, as he hung on the cross, taking our sin, he knew our deeds. As he took our shame and our guilt and our rejection on himself, he... So we could be honoured and accepted and forgiven. He knew our deeds then. So he knows. He knows our deeds intimately. He's well acquainted with our, our flaws and our failings. But here in this passage, I think I know your deeds has, a, has the opposite sense. I know your good deeds. I know the things that no one else sees, I see. The hard graft, the hard yards, the faithfulness in prayer, the anonymous acts of kindness. Every sacrifice, every act of love, every act of worship, the costly generosity, the faithfulness in prayer, the obedience, he knows your deeds. All the times when you could have compromised, but you stood firm, he sees that. Well done. He wants to encourage you today. Now please don't misunderstand me. Um, our good deeds can never earn God's love can never outweigh our bad deeds. It's not like God has these like cosmic scales that weigh up our good deeds against our bad deeds. And if, if our good deeds are bigger than our bad deeds, then we're, then we're okay. And it's not like that. Our good deeds can never make up for our bad deeds. The only way to remove our sins is to put our trust in Jesus, who died for us, taking our sin on himself. If you're here today and you've not yet put your trust in Jesus, I'd love to talk to you after about, 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 about that and explain more to you. Jesus loves you so much that he died in your place. So he, he can take your sin on himself if you put your trust in him. Ephesians chapter 2 in the Bible says, it's by grace you've been saved, not by works, so that no one may boast. So let's not get boastful thinking about our good, our good deeds, how good they are. But actually, I often focus more on how, the things I've got wrong. Uh, I kind of beat myself up, kind of think, oh, what, what isn't going well? Actually, it's important, to, as well as admitting we get things wrong, to, yeah, to hear Jesus' encouragement for the good things as well. Okay, so next E is entrances. Next slide, please. Okay, entrances just means doors, basically. I bet that doesn't alliterate, so I had to go for E, so entrances. So bear with me. Um, verse 7 says, Jesus holds the key of David. That just means he's the king, like King David, except only better. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. He's the ultimate authority, all-powerful, completely omnipotent. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts... No one can open. What he says goes. And this 
all-powerful, omnipotent king, he's the one who places before you an open door that no one can shut. I find this hugely encouraging. I find this it should give us tremendous confidence that Jesus backs us. Jesus, the, the, the king of kings, he's opening doors for us. He's the one who's making a way for us. He's behind us. He's for us, cheering us on. It's hugely encouraging, isn't it? One Direction, Leona Lewis, Susan Boyle, James Arthur, Little Mix. Five reasonably successful music artists that you may or may not have heard of. Uh, what have they all got in common? They've all been successful, at least in part, due to the backing of Simon Cowell, who opened various doors for them that they possibly wouldn't have been able to make open by themselves. Well, if you're not a fan of Simon Cowell, apologies. Let me choose a different example from business, so Coca-Cola, Apple, American Express, and Airbnb are all businesses who've benefited from the backing of influential investor Warren Buffett, you may have heard of. He's opened doors for them, again, that they may not have been able to open by themselves. Well, you know what? There's someone even more powerful, more wealthy, and more influential than Simon Cowell and Warren Buffett combined, who's opening doors for you. Jesus Christ, the one who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. He's backing you. That should give us tremendous confidence, right, to step out. I wonder what doors Jesus is opening for you. I wonder if you're aware of opportunities he's giving you. I wonder what steps of faith you need to take, what doors you need to walk through, knowing that he's opening them for you and he's backing you. Let's just think about that for a couple of seconds while I take a sip of water. So what he opens, no one can shut. He also says what he shuts, nobody can open. Have you ever locked yourself out? And tried to get back in, open the door. I've definitely done that a few times. But when it's trying to get into a locked door without a key, it's very difficult. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced God shutting a door. It can be kind of painful, can be frustrating, but it's kind of far and good. I can share a couple of examples from my own life. When I was 18, I applied for university. Uh, I applied to study medicine. Uh, at four, four universities, Nottingham, Birmingham, Leeds, and Aberdeen. Don't ask me why Aberdeen. Uh, nothing to do with getting away as far away as possible from my hometown. I'm not sure what, what the reason was. Um, Rachel, my girlfriend at the time, uh, now my wife, uh, was in Sheffield. But for some reason, Aberdeen seemed like a sensible option to me. Uh, my life's dream was to become a doctor. And... Uh, and that was my, that was my, my big, big plan. And uh, the, the four letters came back, the four big fat rejections, cl four closed doors. Sorry. I felt like my kind of dream came tumbling down and it was, a, it was a painful ending, really. I don't know if you've ever experienced a painful ending, something like a closed door. Maybe it's a, a, a dream or a job that's ended painfully, a relationship. I'm so glad, actually, that Jesus closed that door. 
After praying, I, I ended up applying to chemistry in Sheffield, and uh, the, the rest is history. I ended up in Sheffield, loved it, and I've been here for 17 years. But I'm so glad that Jesus shut those doors, because if I ended up in Aberdeen, I don't think I'd probably be married to Rachel now. Caleb wouldn't even exist, which is a very sad thought indeed, isn't it? Uh, and I wouldn't be stepping out into planting a church in Fairvale, probably following my calling, doing that. So my life would probably look very different. Now, yeah. Proverbs 16 says, Go ahead and make all the plans you want, but the Lord will ultimately determine your steps. A more recent example, um, in the church plant in Fairvale, um, I've been, at various points, I've thought it'd be really helpful to have a building that we could like use during the midweek. Uh, we currently rent a, um, a community centre on Sundays, but I've been thinking it'd be really good to have an office to work from in the week, you know, somewhere where people could drop in in the week, it could maybe midweek ministry and discipleship and so on. We could do youth groups and, and, and kids groups from it, um, and so on. Uh, but that's, so far, been a, a reasonably frustrating kind of thing. Not, not, it's not happened um, yet. And um, I'm not saying it won't happen, but at the minute, that's, that's, not, that's uh, not happening. But actually, that, that limitation has been a limitation, it, it seems, sometimes. But actually, that's been a really good thing. Not having offices to work from has meant I've spent more time out on the streets, prayer walking, bumping into people, sharing the gospel, praying for people, seeing people's arms healed, and so on. Not having a place for midweek ministry has meant we've not felt the pressure to start loads of initiatives in our first year. We kept it simple, and, and that's and therefore hopefully more sustainable. Not paying rent obviously has been uh, helpful. We've been able to to uh, to redirect resources elsewhere to other priorities. As a, as a little aside, if you uh, have around eighty to hundred thousand pounds, you're looking to invest, uh, and you're willing to buy a house in Fairvale that you could let increase in value and then sell it on for more, and in the meantime let us use it for God's kingdom. I'd love to hear from you. If Warren Buffett is watching online, just give us a call. Uh, But the point of sharing this is, is that sometimes God shuts doors or, or, or causes limitations. He prunes us and he redirects us. There's a common misconception that Jesus always just gives green lights. Actually, no, he gives red lights too and, and amber lights. Sometimes he says, wait, not yet. In his sovereignty, he shuts doors, he prunes us, he lovingly redirects us. This can be frustrating, but ultimately it's for our own good. He knows best. We can trust him. Okay, so far I've looked at two E's, encouragement and entrances. The third and final E is eternal reward. The book of Revelation points to the fact that our choices in this life have eternal consequences. One day Jesus will come back, make all things new, and make a new heaven and a new earth. There'll be no death, no sadness, no suffering, no sickness. And those who put their trust in Jesus in this life will live there with him. This passage hints at that, and also it suggests that those who persevere through suffering, through trial, will receive a reward. Because life is full of challenges, isn't it? Many of you will know my story of suffering with long-term illness. You'll have your own stories, I'm sure. Life isn't all glory, glory, hallelujah, is it? The reality is we face challenges. That video you watched, 
tells half the story of the last year for as in, in Fervel. There's been battles as well as blessings. There's been obstacles, challenges and so on, as well as uh, things to celebrate. That's life, isn't it? When verse 10 says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will keep for you the hour of trial that is given, going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The phrase so that no one will take your crown reminds me of James chapter 1 verse 12, which says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I mentioned before that Philadelphia had lots of earthquakes. I think this is really significant for this passage because the people of Philadelphia would have lived in fear. No secure shelter. No certainty for the future. They must have had to leave their homes often. Many of their homes would have been destroyed. Many would have lost family members too. I'm, I'm no engineer and I've never lived in an earthquake zone but I gather that in that place at that time pillars were a pretty big deal pretty important right because the deeper your pillar was the more likely your building was to withstand the earthquakes they were the strongest part and that kind of makes sense to me because when I've visited uh, you know ruined buildings if you've ever been to a ruined building a bit like the one on the screen the pillars are often the last thing standing aren't they because they're the strongest bit and so for the people of Philadelphia their pillars would have been like their livelihood almost like their, their security yeah and I love how Jesus says to the people whose livelihood depends on their pillars he says the one who is victorious I will make a pillar in the temple of my God to people who often had to leave their homes Jesus said, never again will they leave my temple. To those who lost all their possessions, Jesus says, hold on to what you have. To those who lost family members and homes, their place of identity and belonging, Jesus says, I'll give you a new identity and a place of belonging. He says, I'll write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. I'll write on them my new name. To those who had endured many an hour of trial, Jesus says, I will keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come on the whole world. What amazing promises. These would have been, had really significant deep meanings for the people of Philadelphia, much more than we might think at first glance. You see, Jesus not only knew their deeds, he also knew what they'd been through. He knew what they were going through. And he knows what you're going through too. He knows the challenges, the obstacles, the, the suffering, the trials they're facing. He knew exactly what they needed to hear, what the perfect promises, the perfect reward for them would be in eternity. And he knows what you need as well. I wonder what you need to hear from Jesus today. Maybe you need him to speak hope and healing into your hurting. Maybe you need him to speak peace into your anxiety and fear. Perhaps you need him to speak comfort into your grief, forgiveness into your sinfulness. Maybe you need to know you're loved, accepted, chosen, where maybe you felt unloved, abandoned or betrayed. Wherever you're at, 
Jesus wants to speak to you today, wants to minister to you, wants to meet with you. He knows where you're at, he knows what you need, he knows what you're going through. He may not remove your suffering in this life, but one day there'll be a day when there's no suffering. And there'll be a reward waiting for those who persevere. As the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I'm just going to invite the band to come back up as I summarise my message. That's all right. So we've looked at three E's. Encouragement. Hear Jesus' well done today. Hear his encouragement. Let it sink in. Well done for your faithfulness. Keep going. Number two was entrances. I wonder what doors Jesus is opening for you. I wonder what doors he might be shutting. And finally, eternal reward. Don't forget there's a reward for those who persevere under trial. God knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. And he wants to meet with you and minister to you today. And in eternity too. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that even when we are not faithful, you are so faithful. Thank you that you never let us down. Thank you that you journey with us through the trials and the challenges in in our lives. That you suffer with us. Thank you that you died in our place. That you took our sin, our bad deeds. We thank you that you place before us an open door. Maybe for some that's an open door to put their trust in Jesus for the first time. Maybe for others it's to take a step of faith in trust or obedience. Thank you that you back us, that you go before us, that you're cheering us on. Amen.